Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. We're finally seeing them do things uh, you know, successfully and getting the tight ends involved and hammering opponents with play action and, and getting and getting Carr on the move. You know, Carr is, he, he's, you know, a, uh, to, to use a trope here, uh, he, he's a sneaky athletic uh, kind of quarterback. And he, he he does, he, but he doesn't use that often enough. He he can play on the run. He he can make throws outside the pocket, and it, it's just a matter of forcing him to do that. And and the Saints finally are, and they're finally doing the things well that he did earlier in his career. I I think they're less stubborn now than they were. They're they're being more open to maybe his his feedback and doing things that he does well, and we're finally seeing it benefit. Welcome to the show. It's the Saints Wire podcast brought to you by the USA Today Network. Ryan O'Leary here playing host, joined as always by John Sigler. John, the managing editor of the Saints Wire. We're thankful for all of our listeners. And if you wouldn't mind just rating, review, subscribe to the pod. That's the best way to support us. We appreciate you taking the time. We hope you have a happy new year. And the same to you, John. Happy new year. How are you this week? Happy new year to everybody. I'm doing fantastic. We got a great start to the week here. Yeah, I got, got to start the, the week in the new year with the Saints win. I uh, can, can never complain about that. And, Matt, now we're going into the regular season finale with the shot at the playoffs, you, you, you know. And the, one of the one of the last things standing in the Saints' way is uh, the Atlanta Falcons. So, the, the man, the, the, the vibes could not be better right now. It's safe to say this was, uh, you know, in a performance against the Bucks that few saw coming, including us on this show. If you go back last week and listen to our commentary on that matchup. Uh, but safe to say best team-wide performance of the season for the Saints, you know, in terms of the play on the field, the the plan from the coaches, all of it, best performance of the year? Yeah, you know, against a quality opponent, for sure. Like, like yeah, yeah, they blew out the Patriots, and, and they've had some other, you know, lar- they've had bigger margins of victory than we saw here. But as far as playing a good team and or, or someone on their level and j- just playing complimentary football on offense, defense, uh, kicking game, uh, you you couldn't ask for much more. Like like the offense got everything they wanted just about in the first half here. Uh, the defense what was outstanding. I, I mean against the run, against the pass, uh, creating turnovers. Um, they 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 were really playing like what we expected uh, coming out of training camp this summer. What, what like you know I know we're going to talk about it more in a minute with with the offense. Um, but this was a huge game uh, for the tight ends, which is what we expected uh, coming out of training camp where. We had Derek Carr talking about Jawan Johnson like he's Darren Waller because because he's such a similar talent, and we finally saw that manifest, and that gave us the results that you know fans have been expecting that that I that I think uh, Carr and uh, Dennis Allen have been expecting all along. So that, that, that it just it's a shame it took until week seventeen to achieve that, but they're playing the kind of football now that we expected earlier this year. Yeah, the the tight ends that's something that surprised me, John. I I thought coming in. It was going to be a big, like, Rashid Shahid, uh, obviously Chris Olave. Like, it was going to be a big game, especially for Shahid, though, because, you know, Carlton Davis III gets ruled out. Bucks they really struggled to defend the deep ball all year. 
Uh, so, you know, I just thought Saints backs against the wall. They got to win. I thought they'd come out, be aggressive. I thought it was going to be a Rashid Shahid, Chris Olave kind of game. It really wasn't. It was all Juwan Johnson. It was all, you know, a little bit of Taysom Hill sprinkled in there. 12 targets for Juwan Johnson compared to nine combined for Olave and Sheed. And I just thought, to your point, they finally used the tight ends in the way we were hoping for all along. Some of those catches by Juwan Johnson were next level. It was just awesome to see him finally break out. What do you think fueled the game plan, right? The season on the line again, they decide not to go down the field. They they were more methodical with their approach. You know, what do you think fueled that game plan, John? Through the first three months of the season, this was the least creative offense in the NFL. You know, it, it, nobody used play action less frequently. Nobody used motion less often. Nobody used fewer RPOs. There was not any creativity there. And over the last month, over, over these last few games, uh, they have really turned the corner and figured some things out. And I, you know, I'm not ready to say that, that they're in a good place, um, but they have been they have been successful in some phases here as of late. And yeah, I think it's it's got to be that desperation driving them. Where hey, we, we can't we can't play you know the way that we wanted to. B. Carmichael can't call plays the way that he wanted to uh, because it wasn't working. And he's he has had to change, and the Saints have had to change we're finally seeing them do things, uh, you know, successfully and getting the tight ends involved and hammering opponents with play action and, and getting, and getting Carl on the move. You know, Carr is, he, he's, you know, a, uh, to, to use a trope here, uh, he, he's a sneaky athletic uh, kind of quarterback. And he, he, he does, he, but he doesn't use that often enough. He, he can play on the run. He, he can make throws outside the pocket and, it's just a matter of forcing him to do that. And and the saints finally are, and they're finally doing the things well that he did earlier in his career. I, I think they're less stubborn now than they were. They're, they're being more open to maybe his, his feedback and doing things that he does well. And we're finally seeing it benefit. You know, you just can't help but wonder like, man, what, what if they had taken this approach earlier? Like, why did they have to wait until there were two, two games left in the season uh, to, to, to really, you know, open up the playbook and start throwing to the tight ends more often and giving these guys a chance. You know, some of it too is on the, is on those players like Jawan Johnson. He talked about this after the game. He spoke about it again on NFL network uh, here on Tuesday, how he, he was not meeting the expectations that he had set for himself earlier this year. And he, he kind of had to take a lot of criticism from the coaching staff and, and be self-critical, maybe change his practice habits and, and, you know, give a greater effort in some, in some phases of the game. And we saw that all pay, pay off. Uh, you know, we talked about him before with Juwan Johnson. This was a career day for him. Like, like he had more catches and more yards in, in this game than he's ever had in a single game before. And again, that's what that's what we expected coming out of training camp. That's where he's at now. Hopefully, he can he can keep it up here in Week 18 against the Falcons. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I think the nitpicky thing in this one, John, the one thing that didn't change is the Saints like kind of throttling it down. Too many punts on offense, too many field goals. The game got way too close at the end. It's like, why the hell? Like, why is it so close? You know, you're almost like shaking your head at the end. Uh, they got it done. Maybe the Alvin Kamara injury played a role in that, John, right? Like him leaving the football game, maybe that played a factor in them kind of throttling it down and, and trying to just get the clock run out in the fourth quarter and get the win. I don't know, but uh how worried are you about the AK injury, right? Uh, I saw on Saints Wire that they're calling it day-to-day, which tells us nothing. <laughs> so uh, how worried are you about the AK injury? 
And, and what do you think is um, on the depth chart if AK does miss this game going into Atlanta? Obviously, must win game and a team that plays the run pretty well over there uh, in terms of the Falcons. Yeah, that, that's very concerning to me. You know, the Saints haven't had another running back uh, show that they can play uh, at a high level this year at, behind AK. Credit where it's due, Jamal Williams played pretty well in, in the second half against the Bucks. Um, he, he was running hard. He popped off some some uh, some solid runs. Uh, but on the year, like he's he's been one of the biggest uh, disappointments as a free agent signing, I think, for the, for this team. And so they're going to be if AK can't play, they're going to be asking a lot out of him. You know, somebody else, uh, Kendry Miller, uh, the rookie running back. He has hasn't played since week nine with his own ankle injury. And so hopefully he can suit up, but we haven't seen much from him either. So both of these guys are kind of unknown quantities. You look further down the depth chart, you got some uh, practice squad running backs like James Robinson is an option. Um, he, he's had some success in the NFL before. Maybe he gets called up. Jordan Mims is a rookie, played with Jake Hayner at uh, Fresno State. That's another option. But on the whole, like there's not really anyone, anything that you can hang your hat on here. Um it concerns me if AK can't play because uh, this Falcons team, you know, obviously I hate to praise them any, it, for anything, uh, but Ryan Nielsen has coached that defense well, and they do a really great job de- uh, defending the run. You know, they're, they're tied for the third fewest uh, rushing touchdowns allowed this year. Uh, they're top 10 in yards per carry allowed. So they, they're a tough squad to run on, especially for a Saints offense that has struggled to run itself this year. Uh, so this could end up being a game where Derek Carr has to drop back and pass more, more, more often than he or anyone on the, on the Saints sideline or in the stands is uh, is, is uh, comfortable for him. So I think there's a real chance that AK misses this game and the Falcons force uh, the Saints to be one-dimensional and we'll have to see how that works out for them. They got to win this game to make the playoffs and they can win the game and not clinch a postseason berth as well, right? Do you want to... Just, I'm sure folks know it, but just to refresh it before we kind of dive into the matchup, you know, what needs to happen on Sunday? Like, who we who we rooting for in terms of just the Saints and other teams to get the Saints into the postseason? It's pretty complicated. So, so, hang, so hang, hang with me here. I've, I've got I've got this big old chart laying it all out here for, for me. So the easy there are two paths you can take to get the Saints to the playoffs. The easiest one has the Saints beating the Falcons. And then they need the Panthers to beat the Bucks at the and the, the, those games kick off at the same time. So there's going to be some scoreboard watching that thing over. We're going to be watching that pretty close for sure. Nothing else matters that the Saints can't beat cannot beat Atlanta. So that, that's where that's where it all starts. And I mean that beyond playoff implications. Got to win this game. Can't, can't can't let the Dirty Birds get a dub. But anyway, so if if Tampa Bay wins and New Orleans wins, Tampa Bay has tiebreakers in their favor. They're going to win the NFC South. They're going to clinch that fourth playoff seed and a home playoff game. Um, so that's scenario one. Uh, you need root for the Saints and root against uh, Tampa Bay. Pull for the Panthers. The other path, and this is where it gets complicated, so hang with me. We need the Saints to beat the Falcons. We need the Seahawks to lose to the Cardinals. And we need the Packers to lose to the Bears. So... Then that's three different games results uh, to, to get the Saints the seventh uh, seed, and that being the final wild card. And so that, that's just not very likely, in my opinion. Um, you know, the, the Packers beat the brakes off this Bears team in, in, back in, I think it was either week one or week two. And the, obviously they're, they're, they're playing pretty hot. So that, that, that's a tough one. And then you have the Cardinals who, hey, Arizona played spoiler. They, they took down the Eagles 
in in Philadelphia, uh, which is just a phenomenal game. Um, so maybe they can maybe they can pull it off again against Seattle, who just lost to the Steelers. But anytime you're in a situation like this where you don't control your own destiny, where you need multiple other games uh, to break your way, I, I just have a really hard time get, getting you know getting my hopes up. So. You know, but this is the bed that the Saints made for themselves. They've got to now. They've got to lay in it, and you, you just hope things uh, break, break their way. So neither of these paths are very likely. I, I don't think the Panthers have it in them to upset the Bucks. Play spoiler this late, um, and I, I'm just not sure that both the Cardinals and the Bears are going to win here in Week 18. But hey, stranger things have happened, and maybe maybe this is the year <laughs> where the Saints get some help in Week 18. Uh, where they really haven't gotten a lot of help in recent years. All right, well, more to come on the show, including a Sunday morning news drop that was pretty interesting. It regarded Derek Carr, Dennis Allen, and Pete Carmichael, so I'll get John's take on that. But first, let's get some fantasy football advice for Week 18 from TheHuddle.com. While most championships were won and lost last Sunday evening, plenty of formats live on. I'm Corey Bonini of TheHuddle.com, here to bring you fantasy football strong plays for Week 18. Quarterback Gardner Minshew, Indianapolis Colts versus Houston Texans. These two teams will be fighting for their playoff lives come Saturday night. Minshew has multiple passing touchdowns in only two of his last six games, but the matchup against Houston should allow him to throw the ball, and Indy has the weapons to get him into low-end quarterback number one territory. The Texans have allowed the third most fantasy points per game above expectation to quarterbacks this season, so Minshew is a fine streaming option if you're still going in Week 18 action. Running back Tony Pollard, Dallas Cowboys at Washington Commanders. Pollard hasn't scored in four straight contests and has posted more than 7.7 fantasy points in only one of those games. He had a fine outing in Week 12 versus the Commanders, generating 22.3 fantasy points, which was his best day of the year. In the last five weeks, Washington has yielded the most fantasy points, rushing yards, and overall yards to the position per game, and no defense has given up rushing touchdowns at a higher rate in that time. This looks like a quality get-right game for Pollard. Wide receiver George Pickens, Pittsburgh Steelers at Baltimore Ravens. While the the running game stole the headlines in Week 17. Pickens delivered a second straight big performance, turning in a season-high seven receptions into 131 yards. He had a nearly identical effort in Pittsburgh's Week 5 win over Baltimore, catching six passes for 130 and a score. With the Ravens likely to prioritize health this Saturday, Pickens has ample upside with the big arm Mason Rudolph starting at quarterback. Tight end Cole Komet, Chicago Bears at Green Bay Packers. Komet wasn't even targeted last week, so it's understandable if recency bias has you feeling a certain way about his Week 18 stock. Green Bay has given up the 10th fewest catches per game since Week 12, but tight ends have scored at the third highest frequency versus this defense in that time frame. And that's the main reason to take a gamble here. In PPR scoring, Komet went for 9.4 points in the week one meeting, and that should be roughly his floor if he sees at least five targets. Thanks for sticking with us through another action-packed fantasy season. For more award-winning fantasy football news, tips, and advice, please be sure to check out thehuddle.com. All right, we're back. Saints-Falcons this week. We'll be scoreboard watching, I'm sure, in the stadium, John. They'll have that Bucks panthers score uh, very visible to fans. Uh, but, you know, the Falcons, they had something to play for last week. They got completely flattened by the Bears. It was 37-17. to 17. Those 37 points they allowed were the most they've yielded in a game since 2021. So uh, the Falcons got worked by the Bears. Can the Saints do the same thing to them? You know, I guess that's the question, John. Can they do it, especially if uh, Kamara's not in the lineup? It's... Uh, not going to be easy. These teams always play each other tough. Usually the road team wins too in this matchup for some reason, which is kind of odd, but the Saints are still favored by three. That spread's actually down a half point. So the Saints, I think they opened at three and a half. They're now three. The total's gone up to 42 and a half. 
What's your gut tell you about the matchup, John? How you feeling going into this one? Oh, man, look, so my, my stance is, is the same year in, year out, week in, week out with this, this rivalry game. I uh, got to call for the Saints to win. I, I don't care how good or bad either team is. Don't care what the circumstances are. Uh, the Saints have got to win this game every time these two teams play. That, that, that's just the nature of the rivalry here. I think I had the, let's see, when we did when we did our network picks, I had the Saints winning, of course. Uh, I think I had them winning by a touchdown. Uh, let, let me double check that and make sure. But, you know, I, I think the Saints are in much better shape right now um, than Atlanta. You know, the Falcons offense, it's, it's such a mess. And they, they still don't know how to use anybody. Um, they don't know who they don't know who their quarterback is going to be. I mean, Taylor Heineke is trying to, to play play through an injury. Desmond Ritter got into the game and got beat like a drum. Um, he was benched, and I, I think he still took a sack and still threw an interception. <laughs> um, it, it, it's a mess. Yeah. So yeah, I have the Saints here, twenty three to seventeen. I'm taking the under, but I'm taking New Orleans. This Falcons team, I know they play the Saints tough, uh, and I guess they they. They beat the Saints earlier this year in Atlanta. It was 24-15 back in November. Uh, but I don't like their coach, John. I don't like their quarterbacks. I'm not sure what they do well. You just you took the words right out of my mouth. They're just a roster full of like underutilized and underachieving talent. They do have talent all over their roster. They just don't use it right. <laughs> they draft B. John Robinson. No idea how to use him. Uh, so you spend that draft pick on a running back and then kind of screw it up. And there's no consistency there. It's just not a good operation in Atlanta. Uh, and I think, you know, regardless of what happens in, in Charlotte, too, you know, like we'll be watching that game between the Bucks and Panthers, but you can't get swept by this Falcons team. They're not that good. You know, and so if the Saints get if the Saints lose this ball game, they end up getting swept by the Falcons this year. And that's how we end 2024. That would be a stench that would be hard to wash off until next September. You know what I mean, John? That would chase us around all offseason. That would just be a bitter one. So, got to go win this ballgame. I'm with you. It's There's no way to pick the Falcons. They've been having a rough month of December. The Saints have actually won what have they won? Three of four here in December. So, uh, or I guess we're in January now. Happy New Year. Uh, but yeah, the Falcons, not a good road team either. Two and six on the road. So, I feel pretty confident there, John, in that pick. But again, they have to win this game, right? They can't lose to this Atlanta outfit twice in one season. This this Atlanta team, we wouldn't be able to get over that this offseason. That'd be brutal. This is their chance to break even in, in the division. You, you know, for all the talk about how the NFC South is, is the worst division in pro football and it's wide open and it's so easy, uh, Dennis Allen is five and six in the NFC South over the last two years, and and two and two of those two of those wins were against uh, the two and fourteen Panthers this year. So like, he has got to win this game you know, break even in those standings and then see how everything else plays out and whether that's enough to uh, get into the playoffs. But if nothing else, the Saints have to play for their pride. They have to play for those bragging rights. They, they, they've got to take care of business against a deeply flawed Atlanta Falcons team. Before we sign off here, John, I just wanted to, you know, call up. This is a topic I'm sure we'll be getting into a ton in the offseason, but I've got to call up the uh, Sunday morning splash as Saints fans and uh, you, you folks at Saints Wire have known it's back to the Sean Payton days. There was always always be some type of news drop on Sunday mornings. And this week's qualifier was reports that Dennis Allen and Derek Carr will be back next year, but maybe not offensive coordinator Pete Carmichael. And uh, just from my conversations with you each week, John, I thought man, maybe that's music to Pete Carmichael's ears. Cause I know you've told me plenty of times on the show that Pete Carmichael wanted a lesser role. He didn't want a prominent role like offensive coordinator when Dennis Allen took the job anyway, but uh, rumor has it 
that the Saints are going to be making a change at offensive coordinator, but running it back with D.A. and Derek Carr. Want to just give us your preliminary thoughts on that? This is a topic we'll get into more maybe in the coming weeks, but just give us, uh, you know, your kind of gut take on that report before we uh, close it off here. Yeah, I think that checks out with everything that we've seen so far. And look, this is being reported locally at NewOrleans.Football by Nick Underhill and Mike Triplett and nationally by NFL Network uh, with uh, Ian Rappaport and Mike Garofolo. So there's a lot of people there's a lot of people who are all hearing the same thing here so i I fully anticipate that being the case da will be back in 24 Derek carr will be back starting at quarterback in 24 he's not going to get replaced by michael Penix or Jaden daniels or any other rookie that's not going to happen um as, as much as i think a lot of fans would love to see it happen that's just not realistic that's not the expectation they should have but yeah you know making a change at oc that makes so much sense here like I think we're seeing the best possible version of the offense with Pete Carmichael at, at calling plays, and they're not even averaging 28 points per game. Like, like we're seeing his ceiling right now, where they're throttling down in, in the second half, they're struggling to run the ball uh, with consistency, um, and it's taken you know four, three, four months uh, in order to start calling plays uh, to his quarterback's uh, strengths. So I think we've seen the best that he can achieve with this group. I mean, I, I've said this often this year, they cannot keep running the Sean Payton and Drew Brees offense without Sean Payton and Drew Brees. They, they, they've got to adjust to the personnel they have. Now, what does that mean? What does that look like? We're going to have to wait and find out. I don't anticipate, you know, wholesale changes. I, it it kind of ties into what we've talked about before, how they cannot, you know, blow up the roster and have a fire sale and just totally overhaul the personnel um, with the salary cap. Like that, that's not realistic. So, there's going to be changes in personnel, but at the end of the day, they've got to find coaches who can maximize the talent available to them. And I think that's going to be the point of emphasis. So who does that OC end up looking like? Who could it be? You know, I'm really hoping it'll be someone from outside the building, which which is, which is the desire that's being expressed in reports right now. And that's probably going to not be, you know, some young up and comer who sees this as an opportunity to advance his career. It's, It's going to be, probably someone who has recently let go from from, a, from an OC job. It's going to be someone who might be a little desperate for work right now. Um, it's not going, I would not anticipate it being some boy genius, I, <laughs> I guess, yeah. who's going to totally re- revitalize the program. But change is needed. Change should be good for this team. You know, anything other than the least creative play caller in the league uh, should be an upgrade and should, should help uh, Derek Carr uh, perform more like the quarterback the Saints expect him to be. And I'm really looking forward to seeing how this all plays out. Yeah, man, it's going to be interesting. And we might be talking about it as soon as uh, next week because it'll either be Black Monday for the Saints, right, John? Or we'll be talking about uh, the playoffs. Uh, so we will uh, we will find out. So uh, I don't know if there's like a good luck charm out there that we can try to, you know, speak into the universe, John, to get us some playoff games to talk about. But I guess we'll have to just wait and see and find out next week, right? Yeah, man, there's so much uncertainty ahead. There's so many different uh, paths that we, we could take. I mean, this time next week, we might be talking about OC candidates. We might, we might be talking about draft positioning. <laughs> um, or we could be previewing a, a, play, a playoff game against the Eagles or something. Who, who knows? It's, it's exciting times, and I'd be sure to stay locked in here at Saints Wire for, uh, to keep up with all your coverage. Saints Wire is the place to be. For John Sigler, I'm Ryan O'Leary. Thanks, as always, for joining the pod again, rating, reviewing, subscribing, telling people about the show. That's the best way to support us. We hope uh, you've enjoyed uh, and stuck with us all season long and and continue to into the offseason. And we will talk to you next week.
just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.